You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you will stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's Word. And I want to show you today, if we have Christ in us, what does it look like? What, what does a spiritual person look like? Because last week we, we brought up the uh, obvious possibility that people can do spiritual things, but not necessarily be Christ followers. And so it seems wise to me anyway, to take a look at the scriptures today and really drive home the point of what it means to be spirit-filled and Christ-led. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's begin in verse 12. Notice what God's word has to say to us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, and I'll go ahead and tell you, that word natural in the Greek can also mean animal. The natural or animal person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you will encourage our hearts this morning, that you will help us to see, as Rich was sharing with us, the incredible victory we have in you. As spiritual persons, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God, we have great power. And I ask, Lord, that you will help us to tap into that today and to be refreshed and renewed by the power of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me just answer the question in not so uh, 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 ugly fashion. I'm not going to bring up the Chiefs anymore, but yes, you are a spiritual person. No matter who you are in this room, no matter what your background is, you are all spiritual persons because there's something in you that will last beyond this world. You have a soul. If you're here today and alive, and some of you in a Baptist church, sometimes I wonder, but I think you're alive, right? Are are we okay? Are we alive? If you are alive, you have a soul. So that makes you a spiritual person. But notice in the text in verse 12, we see that there are two kinds of spiritual people. Those who have the spirit of the world and those who have the spirit who is from God. Now think about that for a moment. There are two ways uh, to be spiritual, and one is connected directly with the world. That can't be good, and I'll tell you in a minute that it's not. But I want you to think with me, if you're a Christian here today, you are a person who has access to the Holy Spirit. But are we living Spirit-filled lives? Believing in the Spirit of God does not automatically make you spiritual. And that is proven so conclusively with Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 that we covered last week. Those individuals were doing spiritual things ostensibly. On the outside, it looked like they were doing spiritual things, but they were not spiritual people in the sense of the Holy Spirit. They had the spirit of the world. As we dig deeper into this concept, I believe that God will begin to help us to see what it means to be a Christian and what the Christian life should look like. 
because the Christian life should look different than the life of those who are living by the spirit of the world. Amen? Christian, you need to be living like Christ. And we need to have lives that are uh, Christ-centered. I think it is true. Craig Bloomberg, a great New Testament scholar, says a spiritually mature person never moves on from the cross. I want you to get this. When we are talking about spiritual maturity, you don't have to add some extra gift. Okay, You don't need to spice up your Christian walk. You just need to carry the cross. You need to communicate the cross. The spiritual person is the one who lives out Christ crucified. I'm here to tell you there is nothing more spectacular than the cross-centered life. Today there are those who want to make us think that hyper-spirituality has something more than just a cross-centered life. That if we have certain manifestations of the Spirit, that means that we've graduated to another level. Let me say this, you will never graduate beyond the power of the cross. It doesn't get any better than that. Every day, preach the gospel to yourself. And remember every day that you are saved in the name of Jesus. The Corinthian church, I don't know if you know this, but they had some problems. They had more than a few problems. And it, gets, it just seems to get worse the further you get into the text. One of the reasons they had troubles is because they forgot that their true power was in the cross. They began to try to do more than just live the cross-centered life. Paul has said to them in chapter 1, verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Because many in the Corinthian church would have said, no, we, we want to have the wisdom of the world. The world, I'm telling you today, the world apart from Jesus doesn't need you and me to put on a show. But what the world needs is for you and I to show them the power of the cross. We are not here to put on a show. We are here to show people Jesus and to help them see that the power of Christ is what they need. Paul says in chapter 1 verse 23 that we preach Christ and that is Christ crucified. It is foolishness to the world. Yes, when we talk about a crucified Messiah from 2,000 years ago, the rationalistic world is going to hear that and go, what in the world? What's that about? But we believe that that event is what changed time and eternity. And that event is what gives us the ability to live completely different lives, full of Christ and full of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, hear me out. If we're going to brag and boast, let's brag and boast in Jesus. Amen. The church is never stronger when it's bragging on Jesus, boasting in the power of God. The world doesn't need us boasting about anything that we do in the powers that we have, but the world needs to see you and me and our congregation transformed by the love of Jesus. This world needs that, and it needs it desperately. We are spiritual people when we remember that we are saved from our sins by the power of the cross. That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has made all the difference in our lives. And what a joy it is to point people to that same power that was shared with us. Why do we want to share our faith 8,400 times? Because we believe, we believe that this is the greatest message of all time. Saved people. If you are a believer, you have had a power encounter with Jesus. He has powerfully changed you. And the world needs to see that. 
But let me just say this, and as we go through this sermon today, from time to time, I'm going to pause and give you a warning. I'm going to give you just a warning of how sometimes we miss the mark. Let me give you this warning here in this moment. If it is true that we have power as Christians, why do so many of us, in fact, I would say a vast majority of us, seem to be lacking spiritual power? Too many of you are living defeated Christian lives. It doesn't mean that you are not a Christian, but you are living in defeat. I told some folks this week, I was just thinking about it. I shared it with some uh, brothers that was praying with me this morning. I love the hymn, Victory in Jesus, don't you? Why don't you believe it? We sing it. We sing it, but do we believe it? I want you to walk out of here today believing that you do have victory in Jesus. He is your Savior forever. He wants to give you power to do things that are amazing. I've already shared with you that this idea of the natural person is the, the image of the animal nature. We want to overcome that. We want to overcome this lack of spirit-filled Christianity because if we don't, it will lead to divisions. When you look carefully at the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians, you'll notice that the vast majority of the verses deal with division in the church. When we are not preaching Christ crucified, when we are not sharing our faith, that gives us time to fuss and fight. Are you listening to me? We will, we will find time to do something. We're probably going to fuss and fight if we're not praising Jesus and witnessing in Jesus' name. So that's something we want to get a hold of today, and I want to warn you first about religion without the Spirit. So let's jump in and notice right there out of the gate. I've already pointed it out once, but notice the dichotomy here. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Right out of the gate, we see that there are two different ways to think of the Spirit. When some hear this phrase, the Spirit of the world, and I understand why you would do this, your mind kind of goes to perhaps maybe that's the spirit of maybe, maybe um, Satan or a spirit of darkness in that sense. I don't think that's what's going on here. We'll talk about spiritual warfare here in a moment, but in this passage, at this uh, stage in our passage, I don't think Satan is the answer here because that's not really what Paul's been talking about. I think it's more subtle than that. I think that the spirit of this world is just the common wisdom that we hear. Like the world will tell us, well, this is the way it is, and this is the truth, and this is how you ought to live your life. And if you don't believe like we do, regardless of what the Bible says, if you don't believe what we do, then you're off the mark. The spirit of the world, if you'll notice, if you pay attention, if you're watching the news, God bless you if you are, it's a waste of your time. But anyway, if, if you're listening to the news... And you're reading the newspapers and you're trying to keep up with culture. I don't have to tell you what the spirit of the world is. And I don't have to tell you that it's very different than the spirit of the scriptures. It's very different. They could care less what God's word says. In my world, when we have a conversation and I say, well, this is my opinion. Someone says, well, the word says something different. The word trumps my opinion every time. But in the world opinions matter to the point of they get uh, people get so enamored with them that they want to force those opinions on other people that's the spirit of the world the church has to be careful we can be very opinionated too but the key here is is that we're always submitting our hearts to Jesus and to the word the only way that we are really going to grow in our spiritual faith 
And to grow up in faith is to cling to the cross more each day. So you ask me the question, how do I avoid going after the spirit of the world? Cling to the cross. If you stay close to the cross, you have a chance. But let me explain another reason why I, I think that this spirit of the world is not necessarily Satan. But now Satan certainly can impact the world, and he certainly does impact the worldview in the world. But I want you to think about this for just a moment. When we look at the spirit of the world, the word world there in the Greek is the word cosmos. Now, that word cosmos, uh, you can hear cosmic, right? You can kind of think space and things of that nature. But really, what the word in Greek means is order. It means an ordered system as opposed to a disordered system. So, how many of you are familiar with the term cosmetics? You see where I'm going with this? You start off with a mess, and then you bring order to it. You see that? That's what happens. That's why this is a mess, because I don't have any makeup on, okay? All right? So, so hear me out. Even a word like cosmetics tells us what this word is all about. Now, now I'm, I'm making a joke, and I'm in a lot of trouble I can already hear the emails, ladies, so, so sorry, um, but, but here's the deal. When we think about the, the wisdom of the world, when we think about the spirit of the world, it's not pure chaos. In fact, it sounds very logical. The world's way makes sense to us if we are focused on material things, if we are focused on just this world. The way of the world and the spirit of the world tells us that more money is fine because more money equals more fun. Isn't it good to be able to do whatever you want, to have your way? You see, all those things make sense to us. In fact, we send our kids to school and try to get them good jobs and everything because the world would tell us that happiness is tied to our bank account and to our success, our, our fame, our fortune, things of that nature. Now, all those things aren't necessarily terrible. Having resources is not a bad thing or a sinful thing. But when that becomes your focus, you see what I'm saying? You have ordered your life, cosmos, you have ordered your life around things and not God. You see, the spirit of the world is subtle like that and always trying to pull us in the direction of our desires now, here's a danger and a warning. You've heard the term or the phrase liberal Christianity. Now, we have to be careful with terms like that because they're very broad terms and can be misapplied. But let me just say this. In the Christian world today, there are those who are more enamored with the spirit of the world. And thus, that is why when we ask the question, why would a church support such and such a, a position when it's clearly not biblical? Why would they do that? Well, it's because they put as a higher priority the spirit of the world, the order of the world, as opposed to the order we're supposed to get from Scripture. Are you following me? So a warning here is, is that even in Christianity, when we begin to not think biblically, when we pull away from the power of the cross, when we start having... Uh, worldviews and philosophies that have nothing to do with the Bible and actually go against the Bible. Now listen, those churches that, that, that lean in this direction, they're very proud of their positions. They want to talk about all the, all the ways they're reaching their community, but they're only reaching their community with the same message that the world is saying. No amens there. 
because that's, you know, the honey draws the flies, as they say. But I'm here to tell you, when we have adopted the spirit of the world, we have walked away from the power of the cross. We cannot say, oh, Jesus, save us, but, you know, the Bible, eh, take it or leave it. Doctrine, ah, when it agrees with what I like. You see, you can't have the power of the Spirit and be beholden to the Spirit of the world. And the church today, I believe, is made powerless when we give up the power of the Word of God. When we have allowed the Spirit of the age to guide everything. And again, as I told you there, look at verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. That word natural is the word animal. It's just a way, and it's not pejorative necessarily. It's not meant to be ugly there. It just means that your philosophy, your way of living life is really no different than how an animal would operate because it's all based on the world and the responses of the world. But you are made in the image of God. Hear me out. You are made in the image of God, which means that you need to be thinking spiritually. You need to think beyond the material world. We need to realize that religion without the Spirit is just philosophy without God. We know that philosophy without God is a, is a regular thing. But let me say this. I believe that religion without the Spirit is the real danger in the world today. If people are putting on the clothes of religion, but they are walking away from the truth of God's Word. They are walking away from the power of God's Word. I'm not here to just tell you that my way's right. Or that as Southern Baptists, as we have tried to hold on to conservative biblical theology, that we've done the right thing. But I'll just warn you, or challenge you is probably the better word. Look at the history of the church. If you want to kill a church or a denomination, walk away from the teachings of Christ. Walk away from what the Bible says. Lean into what the culture tells you is popular today. But just know this, what's popular today won't be popular tomorrow. You're going to have to continually change and conform to what? The way of the world, the spirit of the world. Hey, listen, I'm just a, I like to be consistent. Let's be consistent. For 2,000 years, we've had this thing called the New Testament. It's a pretty good collection of documents. It's better than anything you can come up with. I believe it will guide us as a church to walk away from the spirit of the world, the animal instincts of human nature, the idolatry of the human heart, and help us find the power of God. That's what we need. Many people just are choosing to waste their time, trying to, to keep their, their one foot in the world and one foot in in this spiritual realm, and this is not okay. A few weeks ago, I thought about this, and, and I, this week, it just came to me again how powerful this thought is. You know, your mind has an antenna of sorts, and if your mental antenna is only tuned into the things of the world, you will tune out the Holy Spirit. Now, when I get in the Jeep on a Sunday afternoon, when, when the chiefs are playing after church, I'll tune in, and I get a particular, uh, you know, what is it, 104.6? Is that right? I think that's right. Now, that's pretty specific, right? Not an even number, but it has a decimal behind it. But I have to go to exactly that so that I can tune in the game. Let me just say this. 
There are a lot of frequencies out there, and only one of them, in my view, is going to tell you the truth. You have to tune in to the Holy Spirit, because if you don't, you are tuning into the spirit of this world. And you can't see what you can't see. When we're talking about the spiritual world, hear me out. I know that sounds silly, but you just don't understand. It sounds good. The world is going to give you an ordered, philosophical, even a religious-sounding way. But the Holy Spirit's voice is just different. I'm just wondering what you're tuned into. What are you focused on? I think many of us are playing with spiritual darkness by letting our hearts openly seek signals from places other than the Holy Spirit. When your mind continually goes to a dark place... When there are thoughts in your heart that you know are wicked and you can't seem to get rid of them, could it be that you are tuning in to darkness? Could it be that you are neglecting the signal that comes from the Spirit of God that will always show us the Word of God and encourage us to be the people of God? Many of us, we're talking about why we're not living in victory. It's because we are listening to the wrong voice. The spirit, the animal, natural spirit, the natural animal person, those things will lead us to an animal death. But when we have the spirit-filled way, there's something much better. Notice the spirit who is from God. There in verse 12, right in the middle, the spirit who is from God. We know this is the Holy Spirit. And we have seen time and time again as we discuss conversion, the Holy Spirit is right in the middle of it. When we talk about being saved, we talk about Jesus, we talk about God the Father, but we know that it's the Holy Spirit that is saying to us, Jesus is Lord. The only unforgivable sin is when the Holy Spirit says Jesus is Lord and you say no thank you. Are you following me? You know, the unforgivable sin, the devil wants to tell you any sin that you've committed is unforgivable. That's a lie. The blood of Jesus can cover all sin. You lay it in the altar and he'll take care of it. But if you continually refuse Jesus as Lord, that's the one thing that spiritually you will not overcome. The animal in us wants us to reject all things spiritual. I was driving just, I think it was Thursday, and somebody had a, I, I wish I could remember it, should have taken a picture of it, it was a little bumper sticker on the back of a car, and said, basically it said prayer, um, it's an excuse for doing nothing uh, and thinking you're doing something. It was something like, it was just very ugly. And I was reading that, and I was like, well, way to encourage your neighbors, you know, talk about an ugly thing. Someone who's going through a hard time and asking for prayer, and then you read this guy's bumper sticker, and it says, well, you're just, you're just dumb because you believe in something like that. Well, let me just say this. I think what's dumb is to reject the reality that in every culture, everywhere in the world, people are spiritual. Everywhere you go, people seem to understand that there's more to this world than we can see. And so why would we think that it's not real knowledge if it's something we believe? I think it's real knowledge if we believe it and it's from the scriptures. I don't think your belief makes it any less certain. I don't think that it has to be rational. Listen, I'm telling you right now, those who only want things that are rational will forget ever having love in your life because that ain't rational. 
Think about it. Describe love to me. Give me the perfect in five points what love is, and you can't do it. You who are rational, you who put all your eggs in that basket, you can't even describe to me in any satisfactory way something as simple as your mother's love for you. And yet you want to be rational? Love is spiritual because God is... See? The reason why it's so hard to describe is because it's not a human thing, it's a God thing. And I don't know if you've realized this yet, but you ain't God. And there are some things that are beyond your understanding. That means there's more beyond what you know. And that more beyond what you know is the God given to us in Scripture. The God who gave his only begotten Son. You see, the Spirit of God at work in us gives us the potential for other worlds, the best world. I would call it heaven. When you are overwhelmed with love... When you are the recipient of grace and mercy, I want you to know you're brushing up against heavenly virtues. The reason why love and grace are so refreshing to you when you experience them, when you give them and when you receive them, it's because that's a moment where the Spirit of God is bringing you near heaven, where you get to experience something that is, in essence, God. This world needs to experience more of God. And the Spirit can give us this joy. Now, here's another word of warning, a danger. When we start talking about the Holy Spirit, inevitably, throughout Christian history, you will see people uh, kind of going in a direction of excess. You'll see uh, manifestations of the Spirit starting to unplay or, or, or unpack within a congregation that aren't in the Scriptures. Here's the warning I want to give you. I'm not the one who can tell you for sure I'm not the boss here. I don't understand all things spiritual. I'm imperfect in many ways. But a great rule of thumb is, if it is of God and of the Holy Spirit, it will not be contrary to the Word of God. It will match with the Word. The manifestations of the Spirit's power will have resonance to us because we will have seen it in the book of Acts, or the letters of Paul, Peter, or James, or John. We will see that it is consistent with the way of God. Today, one of the great dangers is, is that people who think that being spirit-filled means they have to have something better than other people, other churches, other denominations, they will start saying, well, your church doesn't have this level of spirituality. Anytime that starts, that's false. That's false. Now, I'm not judging those who are doing those things, okay? If they're doing them for the right reasons, who am I to judge? But if they are saying that that puts them on a higher spiritual level, well, I'm going to talk about that. Because there's nothing more spiritual and there is no higher level than you being in Christ. The cross is as good as it gets. Live in that way. Now, notice this. God has put us in the world to live and make a difference for his kingdom. Notice verse 12. It goes on. It says, um, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. When we are in the spirit of God, we begin to understand what God has blessed us with more. So here's what happens. It's not that we get spiritual powers beyond what others can have. We just begin to claim the powers that God has for every believer. God has freely given you, listen to me, those of you who are, un, are under um, the, the, the pressure of an addiction, 
Those of you who are uh, struggling to love well, I want you to know that God has power to get you through that problem. He has the power to get you through that problem. It is freely given to us by God. Why do we not stop and grasp all that God has given us? The reason why you feel powerless is because you're not allowing the Spirit to work. You have claimed the Spirit of the world too often when you've need to needed to claim the Spirit of God. Animal man, as we called it earlier, can only operate in the realm of justice and judgment. But the child of God, who has been saved by grace, will walk in the Spirit and be able to share the grace, that grace with others and be just. You see, being merciful and gracious doesn't mean you're not being just. It just means that you're filled with the Spirit. You're able to be loving and truthful at the same time. Telling the truth in love. Friends, spiritual truth cannot be taught. I can't teach you necessarily how to be more Spirit-filled, but you are going to be able to catch it. When we are together in the Spirit, we have this imparted on us. Take a look at verse 13. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now take a look at that word impart. Impart just sounds like maybe passing something on. But the word in Greek here is more, uh, it's more the picture of combining as I was thinking about it, this idea in verse 13, imparting words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, it's the picture of kneading dough. Are you following me? So to be a more spiritual person, we need to be in a discipleship relationship where people can knead into us these spiritual truths. I am not going to be able to on Sunday just throw out spiritual truths and then you're going to walk out spiritual. It's not like that. We have to need it into our lives. We do that through Bible study. We need to be in small groups. We need to be in discipleship groups. If we are going to be more spirit-filled, we need to be in environments where spiritual things are needed into us. But we're spending too much of our time in the world doing the things of the world, and that's what's getting needed into us. That's why the church so often, when people come, they say, well, you guys don't look any different than anybody else. Your lives don't seem to have been changed by the gospel. What a shame. Friends, to share the gospel, we need to be filled with the Spirit, filled with the gospel. We may not have glittering words to share with the world, but our words will have the glow of heaven. Our words may not be polished, but they are imperishable, especially when we are speaking Christ. I think that many of us are not being filled with the Spirit because we are truly more concerned with the world's judgments than the judgment of God. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, though, but is himself to be judged by no one. In other words, don't worry about what the world says about you. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And be ready for the world to have some ugly words for you. That leads us to verse 16. And notice what it says about the mind of Christ. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Listen, friends, truth can be no purer, no more pure than truth from the mind of God. It is the Spirit who is from God that brings us this truth. Beyond the truth, a natural person can fathom. 
Paul says that when we have the Spirit of God within us, that is when we have access to what? The mind of Christ. Now, I wish I had more time to go into this, and I don't. But I want you to realize when you have the mind of Christ, now hear me out. Too often in church, we think that if we come into church and we, we, we listen to a sermon or spend a little time together singing a few good hymns, that we can improve our lives. I got news for you. You don't need improvement. You need transformation. The gospel, we don't bring you in here to preach the word to you, hoping that it puts a dent in your life. I'd like to wreck you this morning. If that's what it takes to let the Spirit of God come into your life, we are playing a game here that we will lose. If we try to play the game and we just try to get a little bit of Christian sprinkled on top of the life we're already living, that is a lie and it will get you nowhere. The person who is filled with the Spirit of God does not have Christianity sprinkled in their lives, but they have it kneaded in to themselves all the way down to their souls. Friends, you don't need improvement. You need transformation. Those with the mind of Christ can see all things in this world from Christ's point of view. We need people, you, in this room, to look at life the way Christ looked at life. We need people in this room to love like Jesus loved. We were in a meeting this week with, our, with some of our leaders and this just came to me, and everybody laughed, but the more I thought about it this week, I really, am, I, it, it like, it wrecked me. I said this to our team. You know, I just want to say to so many Christians who just seem to never, never be nice, Jesus was nice to people. Why aren't you? Jesus was nice to people. Why aren't you? He was gracious when people said ugly things to him. Are you? He loved those who were ostensibly unlovable by the culture. Do you? You see, it's all about Jesus. Are you a spiritual person? Well, let me ask you this question. Is there any area in your life, is there any consistent part of who you are that people would mistake as being from Jesus? And if you're not sure, and I don't have a good answer for you to the question of the day. Are you a spiritual person? In the sense, are you a, a spirit-filled, Christ-filled person? Because Christ-filled people ought to act as Christ would act. If we're going to be successful, if we say we treasure all souls, and we are going to be successful in sharing the gospel 8,400 times, then we're going to have to be nice like Jesus. We're going to have to be loving like Jesus. We're going to have to be bold like Jesus. We're going to have to sacrifice like Jesus. So are you spiritual? If you're not certain, that's why we have this moment of invitation, a moment to get things right with God, to surrender your sins and come to him. Will you pray with me? Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.